Mike, it's so good to be with you uh, today. And so we know that we're on on a journey toward Easter, and today is Palm Sunday. And as believers, uh, we consider this Holy Week. So, you know, to just get us started with our conversation, Mike, in your own words, you know, what's the so what about Palm Sunday? Yeah, I'm sorry to over here because you're going to get like the worst side of me. <laughs> um, so basically, the, the Bible speaks of this beautiful relationship that man has with, uh, with God and the creation story. And we're told this, there's this perfect unity, but then through sin, the separation of God and man, that there is this divorce, there is a separation. And basically the whole Old Testament is, is setting up this moment when God kind of fixes the mess or cleans up the mess. And people have been waiting, been waiting. When is this going to happen? When is this promise of Isaiah 53 of a, a, a Messiah, a leader, that's going to bring hope and healing and meaning and purpose? And so uh, Jesus' 12 disciples, they're on this path thinking this is what's going to happen. Is Jesus is going to be that king and he's going to show up. And, and this, this Sunday is that moment when he's entering Jerusalem and the palm branches are being laid down. He is the king. He's entering Jerusalem and, and his disciples are like, finally, this is it. This is amazing. This is this is unbelievable, but nobody really knows what's going on. And so we're going to look here at Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 28, and this is that story. This is him entering into Jerusalem. After he had said these things, he was going on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he approached Bethpage in Bethany, near the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village ahead of you. There you enter, and you will find a colt tied which no one has yet ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. As they were entering, <clears throat> untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? They said, the Lord is in need of it. They brought it to Jesus and they threw their coats on the colt and put it on Jesus. And as he was going, they were spreading their coats on the road. As soon as he had approached near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with, loud, with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known that this day, if you had known in this day, even you, 
the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. Wow. And so as he's entering in, you know, there's this spectacle. There's this amazing event. There's people from all over the place coming for Passover. And people are putting palm branches and singing his praise. And yet as he enters the city, he begins to weep because he knows the cost of peace. He knows what he's headed to. And so there's that kind of, those two things happening all at once yeah. as he enters into Jerusalem. Yeah, there's that tension, right? And so, you know, there's so many facets of, of what you just shared, Mike, that really resonate with my heart and in my mind. And, and really one of the things that resonates with my heart is how Jesus entered into Jerusalem. He entered in weeping. And the king of the world entered in on a donkey. That is not ordinary, at least in my mind, for the king of the world to enter in on a donkey. So let me kind of get this straight. So, so Jesus entered in according to a specific time set by the Father. Everything was in order uh, and in control. Uh, he was uh, to enter the city during a week of celebration, the Passover. Uh, arrangements were made, or at least Jesus knew, about the donkey in the next village. Uh, and so, yet his, his friends, the disciples, uh, didn't know a lot of these details, and yet everything fell into place just at the right time and in the right way. And Jesus' timing was perfect. And so it reminds me that still today, Jesus enters into our lives in the less than ordinary, in the most unexpected ways, and just at the right time. It reminds me that he enters into our lives in both times of celebration and times of the messy middle of really hard places and struggle. So, Mike, I know uh, that you've um, recently been through uh, some of those hard, messy middles of struggle and still are in the middle. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about what this means for you. So we talk about this idea of ordinary and out of the ordinary and how Jesus is this out of the ordinary king and these events are out of the ordinary. I love the ordinary. Um, I don't know about you. I don't like stress. I don't like surprises. I like it when everything's happy and good and peaceful, right? And I think I'm probably not in the minority on that. No. Um, we like life to be routine. We like to know what's coming. We like happy times and joy and all these things that come along with that, and we just don't control that. And, and I think about this circumstance and, and Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and, and it reminds me back um, to January of 1999. This is a picture. I am the guy with the backwards baseball hat because that was super cool. And um, <laughs> this is a group of college students. We went to Jerusalem. We went to Israel to, to see all the sites. And I can tell you, this is probably in my life one of the most, at this place, this point in, in my story, it was the most powerful moment I experienced God. Um, we were at the Wailing Wall and just thinking about the fact that Jesus would have walked here. And, and it was just overwhelming. I don't know if you've had that experience in your life where the Spirit of God falls on you and it's emotional and it's powerful. And it's really like everything is wonderful. I mean, there's, it's a moment of euphoria. It's that powerful thing that, that you experience yeah. uh, in your life sometimes. Yeah. And, and I had that experience. And, and, I, and I look back on this trip. And I remember going on this trip and really not caring much about the things of God, not caring about the Bible, not caring about prayer, not caring about the things that I knew were important. But I just didn't do them. And that God began to build an appetite in me on this mm -hmm. trip. And so these two amazing things happen. I have this very close encounter with God. 
And he begins to build an appetite in me to care about his words and, and to care about investing in that and growing that. Um, but within a few months of returning from this trip, I break my ankle. Mm. And that radically shifts my life. My, my grandmother, who had lived with me my whole life, passes away and goes to be with the Lord. Um, my parents decide that summer that we're, they're going to move from where I lived um, as a high school student and, and growing up. And there's all these, these things that stress you out and, and they take you to this place where there's uncertainty and fear and, and pain. And I fast forward that. That was 1999 to the, this past November. We had a group from our church. About 30 of us go to Israel again. And this is the second picture. The exact same place, 1999 to this place. And on this trip, I had that same experience where, where God just showed up. I was able to baptize people in the Jordan River. That was overwhelming. That was like um, the, the top of the top of the mountain experience. And then um, the opportunity, I remember one morning just waking up and the sun coming up in, in Israel and, and sensing how good God is and how good it is to be his child and, and just being overwhelmed with peace and overwhelmed with that knowledge that God loves me, he's in control, he has all of me, and, and I'm in this relationship with him. But then with, within, even within that trip, there was, there was immense challenge. And my wife began to struggle with some issues and and that was tough, and, and we almost didn't even uh, come back from Germany because of that. And um, then we, we got back, and her mother was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and then later cancer, and, and she had to be hospitalized. And then uh, within a, a few months of that, my mom goes to be with the Lord. And all these things, is, it's overwhelming. It's challenging. It's, it's how did this happen? How did I get from this amazing experience that now it's, you know, what's happening? You know, your life gets flipped upside down. Yes. And everything is different. Yes. But through it all, that song, it kind of resonated as we were singing it. That through it all, God was good. And he is good. And I think as Jesus is entering in, he weeps. But even in that weeping, he knows this is the only way that it's, through it all, it's going to be good. Yes. Right? And it's going to be um, something that's a benefit to us. And, And I know, even as I tell you this, this is my story. But every single one of us in this room have a story. I don't know if you sense your life to be ordinary now or out of the ordinary and stressful and challenging or great and wonderful. I don't know where you are in your story. But I know we all have a story. And I know that that Christ plays into that. And I know, Jan, you have a a pretty powerful story as well. And and, and it shares this idea idea of, of Jesus in our lives. Yes, yes, Mike. Well, thank you for sharing part of your story. And I know that God's still writing your story and my story. And uh, I often think of him as the chief editor of our story and, and thank goodness, right? But, you know, I can recall so many times uh, when Jesus entered into my life ever since I uh, received him as the Lord and leader of my life when I was 12 years old. Um, he receives me and all my stuff and in both the joy and the heartache of life. And I recall a significant time uh, when uh, Bob and I and our then year-and-a-half-year-old uh, daughter, Emma Grace, uh, were planning to move from Goochland uh, to Henrico. And we had visited several churches. And we didn't get so comfortable at any one of those churches and then um, I recall being home, and Bob called, and he, he sounded so excited, and, and, and he said, I, I found our church. And I said, really, which one? And I was thinking, well, maybe the one, one of the ones that we visited. And he said, oh, well, we haven't been there yet. 
I said, oh, well, this is going to be interesting conversation. And, and so he said, you know, Jan, he said, I was driving down West Broad, and I got this overwhelming impression in my mind and on my heart that I needed to take a left on North Gaten. And so he did, and there was a church. He didn't realize that the church was here, and he pulled into the parking lot, and Lance King, who was our former youth pastor at the time, greeted him in the parking lot, and it was during the week uh, that Lance just happened to be in the parking lot and invited Bob in to uh, meet with Pastor Boggs, who was the founding pastor of Gayton. And um, ever since that time, um, we um, have been at Gayton, and and we visited Gayton for probably uh, a month. And little did we know that since Lance greeted Bob that very day in the parking lot, that we we would be suffering one of the most difficult uh, and heavy heartaches and periods of suffering um, uh, in terms of the season of our life when... Uh, Bob's son, Nick, my stepson, Emma Grace's brother, was in a car accident. And Nick forgot to put his seatbelt on and suffered massive head injuries. Um, When the church learned of Nick's accident, we had people that we did not even know walk alongside us uh, during those days. Some people held prayer vigils at the hospital. I remember uh, Neil Price did not know him at the time, but I certainly know him now because he made the best chili ever and, and brought that chili to us. Um, uh, we had people just be with us and be present with us and even be present in sitting with Nick in the hospital. And I have to believe, Mike, that in, in during that time, even though Nick was in a coma, I have to believe that he knew he was surrounded by love, and I know that both our family knew that we were surrounded uh, by love for sure. So Nick passed away one week after the accident. It was his first day of his senior year in high school, and uh, he was just shy of 17. And so through it all, literally, I saw Jesus enter in, and I saw Jesus enter in loving us and living out this hard place uh, in our lives um, through his people. Pastor Boggs um, gave his last sermon here, and it was Nick's memorial service. Um, Pastor Boggs and others here at Gayton honored a family they didn't even know, honored a young man they didn't know in his, his family and his sister, Um, Tyra Wagner and her band of kitchen warriors made sure that we had a beautiful luncheon uh, after after the memorial service. And Scott Johnson, uh, who's a member here too, didn't even know us but invited Bob to go fishing just to be present uh, with Bob. So it's acts of love like that that I have seen Jesus enter in in the most unexpected ways um, through his people. And soon after um, Nick passed away, uh, we joined Gayton, and we've been here for about 16 years now, and it's through life and learning, um, whether it's Bible study or life groups or corporate worship, um, we have grown in the grace of Jesus, and um, we have made such sweet friends for all of eternity, and we've been blessed by this community more than we could have ever imagined. So for us, this blessing... Uh, came in the wake of our brokenness, in the wake of a really hard place. 
Yet God entered in through his people. And God knew, Mike, that, that we would need this particular church at that particular time. So the story doesn't end there. You know, since that time, we continue to struggle. We continue to go through seasons of pain and heartache amidst celebration. And it's because we're messy and we're in the messy middle of life and we're still living and sorting through um, life, um, which I think is a refinement process uh, that sometimes is difficult and it's painful. Uh, Yet we know that God and his sovereignty knows exactly what we need each step of the way because we are his. And when we're his, we have his power, his strength, and his love that spurs us on even in the midst of our brokenness. And, and, it, and it's kind of a, it's awkward because nobody feels blessed when they feel broken, at least not me anyway. Um, yet in those life-altering moments when we think, gosh, life's not supposed to be this way, Uh, It feels like sometimes we'll never heal. Um, Yet, God reminds us that he will never, ever abandon us, not even for a moment. And so he'll give us a sense of that peace that only comes from him, that peace that passes all understanding. He continues to give us, our family, a hope and a future. Bob and I and Emma Grace living into that hope for a future. Um, the good news for you and me, Mike, and for all of us, uh, is that any time we find ourselves broken, God sees the beginning from the end. And like I mentioned, he's continuing to write our story. He's continuing to edit our story. Uh, and we know that ultimately heaven awaits. And regardless of the source of your pain, my pain, um, we can expect that God will do and is able and will do more than we could ever ask for or imagine. So I continue to believe, Mike, that we are broken, and in our brokenness, blessing can come in the wake of all of that as Jesus enters in through his people. So, What a powerful story. Thank you. You know, as, as I was listening and thinking about, you know, both of our stories, just this idea that the ordinary here at Gaines, which is a major blessing, is that we care about. And I think one of the most important things as you look at scripture is that they'll know that, that you're my disciple because you love each other. Yes. You have a love for one another. I know for me, I feel overwhelmed by the support, and you were supported in your mm-hmm. time of challenge and grief. Yes. And I think all of that is built on this picture of Jesus on this, this cross. And, you know, it's a strange thing for us next week to celebrate a death of someone. But it's that we celebrate it not because of just of the death, but because of the resurrection. Yes. And, and there's this amazing verse in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and it's a verse that, that really uh, it has such power and meaning. Um, it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. When he was on that cross, he took my shame, he took my sin, and, and he paid for it. You know, he took that with him. And it's interesting that Paul, as he's writing to the Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with him. Not like him or, or that this will happen to me one day. He says at that moment we were unified as one that, that, that Christ identifies with me on the cross. And he's there because of me, not because of himself. Right? And so it causes me to, to say to the old me, the, the me that's self-centered and all about me and, and my own life and living in my own way. That the old me is dead and the new me is alive in Christ. Yes. And when that's true. There's victory and there's freedom and there's a sense of hope for the future. And then he goes on to say, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. 
This new life gives me peace and guidance through the journey. That the idea now is that, um, that Christ, he is there. You know, in your moments of grief, your moments yeah. of struggle, he is there yes. with you. And he has walked that. And while he was here, he experienced that. You know, and we can lean into that. I know for myself, leaning into that is so vitally important. And I don't know where you are. And I don't know, maybe this is a, a very ordinary time of your life. And, and things have gone pretty smoothly. But I'm telling you, I know from experience that that doesn't stay that way forever. And there are moments when you have to lean into something. And you have to place your faith in something. And it's this amazing thing that I can give of myself to Christ. And, and it's no longer me. It's not just me getting through this. It's not just my willpower and my positive attitude. But it's Christ within me that allows all of us. To make it through the tough stuff of life, the message. He goes next and he says, In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He's basically saying, look, the messiness doesn't go away. Just because you give your life to Christ, just because you're in church this morning, doesn't mean that the messiness of life is going to be gone. It means that he's there with you in that. Yes. And in the life which I live now, that I do live in this mess, I live in the faith of God. The faith faith of the Son of God, Jesus, who, um, he lived this. He walked this. He even at the point said, God, if there's any other way than me going to this cross, reveal it. But if not, your will be done. And this morning as we talk about the the nothing, the nothing, nothing ordinary about Jesus, this idea that the king submitted himself to the level of sacrifice for all of us is such a powerful thing. It's amazing. It's the thing that we can anchor our lives in. It's the thing that that now, instead of I am Mike, just the pastor, the dad, the the husband. No, I am am a child of the king. Mm -hmm. The king that sacrificed so that, that I would have life. And I think the most powerful part of the verse here is the end when he says, Who loved me and gave himself up for me. I don't know, in this room, if you grew up in church or you've heard a lot of different messages and maybe you felt that God is just sitting there wanting to beat you up and, and take whatever out of your life and, and just ruin life for you or whatever your interpretation or your experience of church has been or what you thought church has been. This is the, the most powerful thing about what Paul is saying. He's saying it's not about who I am, whether I've done all these good things or not. He's saying that he loves me. And he gave himself up for me because he wants that relationship. You know, I I don't sacrifice those things on the cross, those sins that live within me. I don't sacrifice them on the cross because I want to get good credits with God. I sacrifice them because he loved me first so much, so desperately, that he went to this cross for me. So now, now knowing he has this love, knowing he has... Deep, amazing, powerful love, I can love in return. Yes. I can love in return. Yes. Right? And I can say it's no longer my life. I don't own this life anymore. On that cross, he paid for my life. And the benefit of that is knowing that there's nothing to fear. When life, I mean, moments when the floor is pulled out and something happens, you can't imagine that this could possibly happen. And it happens. And you're okay. You're okay because it's not your life. It's not mine anymore. He bought it. 
And the truth of this message is that he offers that. He invites all of us into this amazing relationship. And it's not a relationship built on rules. It's a relationship built on love. And that's what he offers us. And so this morning, to just kind of summarize everything that you and I have talked about, and we wanted to invite you into this conversation because we don't think that this is uh, just a message or someone saying something. We think this is life. And you could be up here, and we could all be up here sharing our stories and saying, here's how God showed up, or, or here's how I struggled, or, or here was the great day, and here was the terrible day. We all have that here. And so we come together, and, and, and no matter how ordinary you think your life is right now, or how uh, out, out of the ordinary you think your life is right now, Jesus wants to offer you true life. He wants to offer that to you, give that to you. On the cross, he paid so that you could have this life with him in this relationship. And so my question, and I think about this, and this is where I've built my life, and and I would invite everyone to build their lives here. Have you received that into your heart? Have you received that? That moment in which Christ was on that cross thinking about you, realizing that everything And that moment was being paid for so we could have perfect relationship with him. Yes. That's what this is about. That's why we gather and talk and sing and pray and do all these things. Is to remind ourselves that when he died on that cross, he paid for our sins and he rose again to initiate a new hope, to initiate a new future. Yes. And initiate a way to deal with the unordinary parts of life. Mm -hmm. The hard, gritty, messy parts of life, you can have peace because it's with And so this morning, as, as we think about this stuff, and, I, and my prayer is that church is never ordinary for you, that um, you can't ever come to Gaten and be like, well, that was a waste of my time, or <laughs> that was just... My prayer is that God talks to you because whether it's Jan or myself or, or Victoria or anyone here in this church, our goal is to hear from God and to live real, authentic lives. And to be honest, that as a pastor, as a leader of leaders, we still have messy lives. For we, sure. We still have these challenges. But this message is so true. This message is valid. It's, it is the hope of life. And so we're going to pray. All prayer is, and not always, but it's an amazing thing. It's beyond anything I can tell you. But what we're going to do is we're going to just say, God, I know you hear me. I know you know me. I I, want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. I want to love you. I want to know you. I I want this to be authentic and real. And so we're going to pray. And when we're done praying, we're going to do something else that I think is, is an amazing thing that we get to do. We get to be generous together. You know, next Saturday, we're going to go help rebuild two homes. Because you guys are generous. Because we're generous together. Because we partner together and do things in the name of Jesus that bring hope and life to people that are struggling. And so,
seems strange that you care enough to listen. It seems strange that you hear me now. You know my heart. You know my mind. You know my intent. And so, Lord, I submit that to you. I give that. I, I ask that your will would be done in this room this morning. I ask that um, you would guide us as we live our lives the rest of the week. Trust you even.